0: joining us this morning, we'd like for you to turn in your Bible to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. We're finishing up our sermon series this morning dealing with the war of God. I believe God has a great word for you today. At Family of Grace, we strive to be a cross-cultural church that's breaking social and racial barriers, trying to help our city become all that God's intended for it to be. I believe this message will divinely speak to your heart and help you the race of faith that God has for your life. If you have your Bible today, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy, if you'll find your place there. While you're doing that, I would like for us to ask you a question, if we can, how many of you in this building, we just finished celebrating our Veterans Day this week, this Monday, It was Veterans Day. How many of you in here are a veteran? Would you just stand, if you don't mind? If you served our country, would you stand? All right, stand if you will. Let's give them a hand. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I want to say thank you for your service. Thank you for what you've given for us. Um, Men, without you guys, ladies, giving it all, we wouldn't have anything to ruin today (laughs) in the shape that we're in. I was thinking about this, preparing this sermon series, and today is the last sermon in the War of Gods, but was thinking, you realize we've never been removed from war? Our country was birthed with the Revolutionary War. The generation that fought that war had grandchildren that made the hard decisions to then fight the Civil War. The people who fought in the Civil War, many of them, their grand, their grandchildren, or children, fought in World War One, and then their grandchildren fought in World War Two, and then those who fought in World War Two sent to Korea, Vietnam, and the Desert Storm wars and that part of the country. My point is, we haven't got to where we are today, without a constant battle, a constant sacrifice. I uh, think a lot of times what we ought to do is uh, lock our government in on Capitol Hill and force them to watch hours on end, movies that depict the sacrifice it was made by our forefathers so that they can begin to grasp the great price that was paid for what we seem to squander so easily today. Now, this sit in a soapbox. I'm, I'm, I'm moving in a direction. The Bible says, <laughs> thank you, brother. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, an interesting thing. He says, now, Timothy, you therefore, my child. You be strong. You don't be weak. Live with a backbone. Live with principle. Live with character in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others. See, there's a principle of discipleship. Commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Did you see that? What you heard from me, you heard in the company of others, teach them to faithful men that then they can teach the next generation. One of the things that I love about Family of Grace is that we try our best to be a multicultural, uh, multiracial, multigenerational church. I realize there's more younger people than there are older, older people because most older people will not endure what you're enduring in the concept of worship for the sake of the vision. However, you continue to do that week after week after week, and for that I am most grateful. Most churches that do have many older generations, people, they're still divided and they don't worship together. They they have a traditional service and they're all robed up and, and uh, have their choir and the orchestra and all that in one service, and and, and uh, it's one demographic and then the next demographic is a, 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 a the next service is geared a different way and it's to pick up a different demographic and the next service is dem- wired for a different demographic and we've compartmentalized our churches that we have segregated by culture, not necessarily by race, but by culture and by generation. But you know... America as a country is where it is today. Well, we reap the benefits of Listen, Now, I'm not against higher learning, but we didn't get to where we are today all on higher learning. We got to where we are today as a country and the successes that we have as a country by vision, by sacrifice, and by hard work. Now, we didn't get to where we are today in the church world without vision. Some of your largest churches that are a multi-million dollar operations today did not get there. Just by waking up one day and becoming a multi-million dollar church, they got there on vision, they got there on fire from the burning from the inside out and not the outside in. The fire that burns from the inside out will consume... The fire the consume those around, it consumes outwardly, but everything else just destroys those things around it. Now here's what Paul tells young Timothy. Young Timothy, here's what I want you to understand. He lays this out very clearly for him in this, in this passage of scripture. At Second Timothy he says, "Share in the sufferings as a good soldier, as a good soldier." He didn't say as a CEO. He didn't say as an engineer, he didn't say as a doctor, he didn't say as a lawyer, but you share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. As I've been meditating on this sermon for a while now, the one picture that just keeps burning in my mind and in my, I just see it ever before me. I was up early this morning in the middle of the night and when I woke up, I was, I was just re, I was just quoting the scripture in my sleep and the picture that kept coming in my mind was the picture of those amphibious boats uh, storming the beach of Normandy and letting those doors down on those boats and and then storming the bulkhead, storming the beachhead and and their friends dropping like, like, like just animals all around them being slaughtered. But they never gave up they never relented they persevered and they went to the top of the mountain because they understood what it was like to wage warfare as a strong soldier they understood what it was like to wage suffering as a good soldier and they came back not looking for attaboys but looking to just blend back in and make a difference in their country I remember one guy that I knew who was who ended up uh, not until not until right before he died did we find out that he was one of the guys that stormed the beach of Normandy for <coughs> for his whole life his family thought he was a cook in the military a cook being a good Cajun guy didn't find that hard to believe that he was a cook in the military but upon his passing found out that he was one of the guys who dove out of the boat, stormed the beach, and one of the few survivors. See, it wasn't about praise, it wasn't about pomp, it wasn't about pious, it wasn't about uh, attaboys, it was about sacrifice for something you believed in. Paul says, endure suffering as a good soldier, that you may please the recruiter, the one who enlisted you. No soldier gets entangled in the concerns of everyday life. Now, as we've been going through this war of gods, we've been looking at them through the (coughs) um, fruits of the spirit and the fruits of the flesh, and how every day we do battle with with the little demigods in our life. And you know, it was seven years ago, this time of the season, that I walked out on what I understood as life, what I understood as as comfort, what I understood as, as a livelihood, and Moved here to Alexandria temporarily, not wanting to stay, going somewhere else, but in the process, God speaking to my heart and ending up here, uh, and here we are today. But what I am saying is, when we walked away from what we understood, when I walked away from what I understood about everyday life, we didn't do it to just plant another church in our city. Because if that was the case, there's plenty of them we didn't do it to see how many that we could how big we could build a building those of you who came over in the beginning when there was just four of us meeting in a home and then we we worked and, and we introduced ourselves to neighbors and then we multiplied and then had two home Bible studies meeting and then after that we multiplied in a meeting for corporate worship. When you were sacrificing, coming and knocking and praying and witnessing and working, you didn't do it just to build another church. But you did it because you understood that we had been strategically placed in the state of Louisiana to wage warfare for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We wasn't building a religious organization. We were trying to bring people into a relationship with God. And it has been a long, hard road. And we have cast vision, and we have cast vision, and we have cast vision. And today, we can begin to look at how God is beginning to bring the vision about. And he's beginning to connect the dots. I guess the only thing worse than God bringing the vision about is the reality when the vision starts coming about. And then you're like, oh wow, I just got what I prayed for. Now what? Like the puppy that caught the car. You know, he chased it his whole life and he finally caught it and then he didn't know what to do with it. We must have the mindset of a good soldier. The Bible says a couple of things I believe that we can note down here. He says a soldier must be engaged in warfare. We hear a lot about soldiers that have died off of the battlefield. They've died on the streets of our city. They've died on the streets of our city defending store clerks, moms, um, whoever it is, just we hear, we hear of people that there was a robber, there was a burglary, there was an idiot with a gun, and this guy overtook the idiot with a gun, saved thousands or maybe tens or fives or hundreds of lives, and then we find out he was, uh, he was in the military. And that's a common theme. <clears throat> One of the reasons that is is because a good soldier is always engaged in warfare. He never says, well, I'm not in Iraq, so I can't do battle anymore. He never says, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not in Vietnam anymore, so I can't do battle anymore. No, he's always engaged in warfare because he has been trained. You know, there's a, there's a uh, people who have served as soldiers are very meticulous about every detail. And there's a, a person who's concerned about every detail gets really aggravated with somebody like myself who's not concerned about every detail and then somebody like myself gets frustrated with somebody who's concerned about every detail but there's a reason that they're concerned about every detail because details the little things made a difference between life and death when a soldier was engaged in battle now I want you to know today my brothers and sisters that we are in a spiritual war here in the middle of Alexandria, Louisiana. And we are beginning to make a difference for the glory of God. I want you to begin to talk to some of the kids that you meet here on a weekly basis and begin to let them tell you their story. Begin to hear them say, man, a difference is being made in my life. Why is a difference being made in their life? Because you were willing to go beyond the sheetrock, beyond the comfort zone, on the battlefield where, over the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls. You may remember earlier in this year, we placed a map up on the wall of our city. And that map strategically began to lay out battlefields. It began to lay out uh, zones. It began to lay out areas where we wanted to begin to do ministry. And in that map, as you begin to look at that, you remember a large portion of it was red. And that's like where no Christians dare to go. And we begin to look at those strategic areas. And you know, it may, seem like, it may seem like there's not been a clear battle line, but I want you to know that there, there is. And we are making a difference because we are engaged in battle on a daily basis at Family of Grace. And the reason that we've been looking at this sermon on the war of gods is because if we're not careful, we'll look for reasons to escape the battlefield, to retreat and go back into the amphibious boats, go back into the mothership of our sanctuary, go back inside the sheetrock, go back inside our paneled buildings, and, and just sing kumbaya till Jesus comes. But I want you to know today that I can report that from the time that I placed this map upon the wall, and you began to look at it, today we have four outposts, they used to call them, in the military. They had outposts where they would send people and begin to do ministry, and we now have four outposts scattered throughout our city that we are strategically doing ministry on a daily basis. Not people that gather here on a weekly basis, but we're out there penetrating our city for the glory of God. We go out there and we cast the net wide and we begin to bring them in. And they come in in droves and it feels like we're drinking from a fire hose. And we're like, we can't take any more. But then out of that, we begin to introduce them to Christ. And then out of introducing them to Christ, then we move into what we call a Sunday night discipleship. And you go from 150 down to about 50. But on those Sunday nights that they gather up here, there's no music, there's no food, there's no rec. It's just the word of God and making disciples and making a difference in these kids' lives. Also for us, we realize as adults, we begin to have to move down that same pathway of discipleship to continue to be strong, to continue to be sharp, to continue to have our eye on the prize. In January, we'll begin to roll out those strategic pathways for you as adults to begin to move through deeper levels of learning so that you can make a difference for the glory of God. You see, as we look at this, a soldier must be engaged in warfare. I am thankful that you are a group of people that are engaged in warfare. Now, the only problem about being engaged in warfare is that it brings about suffering. It brings about hardship. It brings about the idea that I just want to quit. It brings back about the idea, what in the world are we thinking? We're, we're at the time of the year that... People celebrate or, or remember the death of JFK, and you know, it's been on the news all week about it, and I was watching a film on him yesterday, and when he was in the military, when he was in the Navy, and this this Japanese destroyer boat split his boat in half and sunk his vessel in the middle of of the ocean, there he was with his whole crew, not knowing what to do, but he looked off of the horizon, and about three miles away, he saw an island, and one of his... His counterparts there, the people who were helping him command the ship, had been wounded. And there was nothing to place him on and bring him to safety. So he was like, what am I going to do with him? He was still alive. He was still hanging on. And so he unbuckled one of his straps from his life vest, placed the strap of the buckle in his teeth, and swam three miles to shore and collapsed. See, when you're engaged in warfare, you know that there's going to be heartaches. You know there's going to be sufferings. You know things are not going to go the way you expect. And I want you to know on a weekly basis there are things in the ministry that take us by surprise. But I want you to know something, my faith family, today. You are making a difference for the kingdom of God. You are making a difference for His namesake. You are making a difference in the lives of men and women, boys and girls and a lot of the inner city people that we are beginning to connect with. Now we are beginning to see their moms and dads begin to come into our building on Sunday morning for a time of worship. God supernaturally allowed us to be on television. Some of you may be watching at home this morning and we, sometimes we think, is it really worth it? This week I was in the courthouse and man I was going in the elevator and you know there at the courthouse the inmates the inmates run the elevators and as I went in the elevator one of the guys was like Man, I watch you every Sunday on television in prison. You never know where we're on offense at. Today, as we think about this, we must understand that a soldier must be willing to be engaged in warfare, a soldier must be willing to endure hardships, a soldier must be willing to escape the trap. He says a soldier that's engaged in warfare doesn't entangle themselves with affairs of this world. When you begin to suffer, you persevere. We think, man, we have it hard, our comfort zones being infiltrated, our, 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 our area of comfort, What's well, What we know as church is not here anymore. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I've never passed this way before. I've never passed this way before. I wish there was a model that we could just set before us and say, do step one, two, three, and four, and everything will be great. All I know is that we keep our faith forward, and we keep looking to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, and keep trusting in him that he'll provide the way. And then we hear of things like this week in North Korea, over 80 Christians were killed, executed for their faith. Executed for their faith. I'm not talking about they had a little needle slipped in their arm and gave them some gas and went to sleep. I'm talking about being gunned down before their children, before their spouses. They were were laid in the streets and ran over by steamrollers. But yet these guys did not love their life unto death because they loved their master before it. Today, I want you to understand that we must endure hardship as good soldiers. We must not become entangled with the affairs of this world. That's why we've gone through this whole sermon series on the war of God. So that we don't get entangled with the affairs of this world. So that we don't become absent without leave. A soldier must be willing to have the desire to please the one who enlisted him when I think about the, those of you who believed in the call of God on my life, and when there was no money, when there was no building, when there was not even a rented building, and all we had was a living room that we assembled in. I am so thankful that you guys believed in the call of God that he had placed on my life. That you believed in the vision that you were willing to enlist and say we can make a difference for the glory of God. We can make a difference in Alexandria. We can turn this ship around. Today, listen, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if big churches made a difference, America would not be in the shape that it's in. Alexandria would not be in the shape it's in if better cushions on the pews or chairs made a difference we would not be in the shape we're in if coffee bars in our churches made a difference we would not be in the shape that we're in if bigger jungle gyms at our churches made a difference we would not be in the shape we're in I don't care how big you build the building you cannot change a city until you get out of the amphibious vessel plunge yourself into into the trenches of the world begin to storm the beachhead of hell by the square acre and make a difference for the glory of God that's where you make a difference one block at a time, one home at a time one hand at a time one mother at a time, one child at a time one dead beat dad at a time don't you give in, don't you give up rally around the cause of Christ we don't have long left our answer is not in our new political elections it's not in the Democrats, it's not in the the Republicans it's not in the third parties it's in the bride of Christ rising up from the status quo a mediocrity and saying I know whom I believe in and I am persuaded that he can make a difference for the glory of God if I didn't believe that I'd go get me a whole lot easier job making a whole lot more money it's easy to second guess but when you second guess somebody gets killed on the battlefield When soldiers second guess, people die. That's why they run into the firing bullets. That's why they jump off of perfectly good boats. That's why they jump out of perfectly good airplanes and dive into enemy lines to make a difference. That's why we try to place our house churches, our missional communities, our cell groups, whatever you want to call them, in the city. Because they're strategically placed in the city. Are those things being successful like we want them to? No, you're right, they're not. Do they need work? Do they need new vision? Do they need new direction? Yes, they do. But one thing I know is that God has not called us to stop. He may have called us to readjust and to reevaluate and to move forward. Today, God has a plan for you. Maybe you're sitting there at home this morning and you're watching us on television or the internet. Maybe you've given up on church and you don't want nothing to do with church because church has got you high and left you low many times. Today I'm not asking you to join a church. I want you to partner up with a family to make a difference for the glory of God. To make a difference in our city for His name's sake. You can do it. You can do it right there where you are don't grow weary in well doing don't think you have to keep your frustrations to yourself you can be honest you can be honest because the battle that we are fighting is worth winning if the church will rise up and fight the battle that God has called us to fight and be engaged in you won't have to worry about fighting the battle on Capitol Hill the vision the structure the living document the way they call it the constitution you know the declaration of independence those things were not birthed on Capitol Hill but they were birthed out of the word of God and the vision To have a country that wouldn't be free from religion, but free to worship Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You may be sitting at home and say, Pastor, you're wrong. That's not what it's all about. It was Christians who didn't love their life unto death that birthed this great nation so that they could worship their triune God. And be all they could be for the glory of God. And ever since then. When that freedom to do that was threatened. Men and women have rose up. And shed their blood. So that the next generation. Could be better off. Than theirs is. We've gone through this sermon today. If you're looking for a place to plug in. If you're looking for a place to belong. Maybe you're sitting at home. And you've given up on church. But not on God. We invite you to join us on the journey. To help our city be all that God has intended for it to be. If Family of Grace, if we can help you um, in your race of faith, please let us know. It would be a joy and an honor to help you in that endeavor. This ministry would not be possible without these partners. Looking for childcare? Visit College Camp, located in the heart of Pineville. It is a license aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. You can reach us at 318-308-3754. At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over two million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at FCA.org.